Welcome to Grown Up Kids, a Disney podcast. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Hello and welcome to episode 74 of Grown Up Kids. I'm Megan. And I'm Katie. And today we will be discussing the movie A Tiger Walks. Rawr. <laughs> so, I guess I'm doing my 30 second Disney Dash first. Better, are you ready? Uh, did you write one? I did not. Okay, good. It always makes me <laughs> feel better when you don't. Alright, you ready? Mm-hmm. On your mark. Get set. <gasps> Go. So a circus comes to town and something happens with their car and they get stuck and they have to wait for a part to come in. And in that truck is two tigers and then their babies. And one of the trainers is a jerk and he makes one of the tigers escape. And then basically the whole movie is trying to get this tiger, but the daughter of the sheriff wants it to be caught and released and not killed, but sent to a zoo. 25. Nice. Ready? No. Go. All right. These trucks show up. There's tigers in them. The trainer, one trainer's bad dude. The other trainer's a good dude. Get guy gets rowdy. Well, he ends up getting pulled to shreds. Sorry, dude. Um, and then there's this big hoobla about these tigers, and this girl fights for their rights and changes her dad's mind about it. Seventeen seconds. I'm, like, used to the Friends 15, man. (laughs) (laughs) I know you. A lot more time. Okay, so we were going... Do you want to do the plot? We can do it. Unless you want me to do it. Yeah, because then I do the history. Okay, so we were thinking that, um, you know, 73 episodes in, now 74. (laughs) Um, And if you you guys don't like this, please, we want feedback from it. But we're thinking because a lot of these movies some people don't have access to, so they're really relying on just us. To tell them about this movie. And sometimes our 30-second Disney Dash, like, we can't get it all out. Right. Or we forget things, and then it comes out later, which right. I think it's been working okay, but we were thinking that we would just do, like, a quick plot description. Um, like, back-of-the-DVD-type plot. Like, one paragraph. Like, right. not, like, drone on about it forever, but just a quick summary of what the movie's about and move on. Right. Just to give you guys an idea. Yeah. So, let's try it. Um, this one is straight off of, like, Disney's website, so it's literally, like, something that would be off the back of the DVD. Um, so, A Tiger Walks is a dramatic adventure... Wait, okay. <clears throat> a dramatic adventure unfolds when a mistreated Bengal tiger is accidentally freed in the tiny community community of Scotia. As a result, an avalanche of national attention turns the sleepy little town into a chaotic jungle of frightened citizens. While a well-meaning sheriff, his young daughter, and an Indian trainer struggles to safely capture the magnificent animal, kids across the nation rally to the creature's defense with a rousing Save the Tiger campaign. Rawr. Rawr. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Yes. Also, I'm recovering from a very long cold, so if you hear, like, cough drop or coughs, yeah. I apologize. Yeah, we didn't want to you know, not record for another week, Mm -hmm. so. Okay, so A Tiger Walks is a 1964 family drama directed by Norman Tokar, and it starred Vera Miles and Brian Keith. That is the sheriff and his wife. Um, It is based on a novel called A Tiger Walks, and that novel is written by Ian Nile, and it was produced by Walt Disney Productions. Big surprise. (laughs) Um, What? 
<laughs> it was the Indian actor Sabu's last film, released only a few months after his death. So that is sad. Um, according to according to um, April 1st, 1964, VAR, the Legion of Decency, gave the picture an A1 rating, declaring it morally unobjectionable for general patronage. The Legion did object, however, to the negative portrayal of most adult characters and described the theme of animal rights as clouded thinking. Regardless, on March 25th of 1964, VAR listed the film as the 10th highest earning release in the U.S., so that's interesting. I disagree with that. There's nothing clouded thinking about animal rights. I mean, like, sure, they were a little bit... I mean, I guess at the end of the day, the safety of the people is always number one, in all honesty. But you also have to take into consideration that I would assume even back in the 60s, tigers are probably close to endangerment. I mean, they've been endangered for a really long time, right? Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. I guess I'm not sure when they became an endangered species. But um, regardless, like, I would think that your number one goal would be to, you know, save the people and the tiger. Are they saying that this film didn't do a good job of protecting animal rights or like they kind of just what is it saying? No, I think that what they mean is that they didn't. They didn't agree with the negative portrayal of most of the adult characters in the film because oh. the thinking on animal rights, they considered it to be clouded because it was, like, focused on the children being all, like, save the tigers. I think that's, I mean, we're kind of skipping ahead to, like, what we take away from this almost, but I think that's a really good representation of, like, life. Like, I mean, a lot of older adults need that child, <clears throat> child perspective to, like, you need a fresh voice. You know yeah. what I mean? So, like, why is it bad I mean, that the I always kids... think that the younger generations kind of, like, bring light to a lot of issues, and that is, like, true even in, like, politics now, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, the younger generations have a voice and they have ideas, and it's not a bad thing to hear them. That's basically what they're saying. That's weird. I mean, but in all honesty, that kind of reminds me of politics, because people are like, no, let's not change, blah, blah, blah. Ugh. I mean, it seems like... It, I don't know. I liked it because it was like the daughter changed the dad's mind and like opened his eyes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then like it showed how these... An oh my God. Why is this happening? It showed <laughs> how these animals are mistreated. And right. how even though there was a trainer there that loved and cared for them, there was the other trainer who was a total jerk and like just liked right. to show off and like... I'm, was I'm macho dude. the Richard. Mm-hmm. But yeah. No, I agree. And it was... Yeah. Well, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, in May of 1965, they also then revealed that A Tiger Walks was among Disney's least successful contemporary releases, along with those Calloways and The Moon Spinners, all of which were described as straight adventure stories. The studio planned to focus on light comedy mixed with adventure for its upcoming projects because they didn't do very well. I didn't dislike this movie though. No, it I has didn't at all. Actually, a, a Rotten Tomato score of fifty-five percent. I which, thought that was low. Yeah, that does seem kind of low. I'd give this at least a sixty-five. Like, was, I was it gonna phenomenal? say like a no. seventy? Like, it's it's not like a it's not a movie that I need to watch again. But like, it wasn't boring like some of the earlier like fifties movies. You know? No, it wasn't boring at all. Like, it wasn't like anything that like stuck out to me. 
but i i enjoyed it yeah i don't know i don't think that it's i don't think it's bad no i i mean i i think that probably they were um hurt by the fact that maybe this type of thinking, like the save the tigers and like the whole mentality, maybe that was just like a little bit too progressive for that time. Maybe. And maybe that's why people didn't like it. Maybe. Get over it. <laughs> Animals have rights Get too. Get over it. All right. So there's actually, I was worried because this is like kind of an obscure movie. It was hard to find. It was hard so to find usually again. When a film is hard to find, it's usually like there's not a lot of info on it. But this one actually had like not a whole ton, but cool ones. Yeah. Um so Sabu is um he played Ram Singh who um was the good tiger trainer slash carer. Mm-hmm. Um so this was Sabu's last film before he died of a heart attack. Um and he was only 39 years old, and it was, like, a shock to everybody because he was in really good health. So Interesting. It also makes me think, like, we are so progressive in the heart field now. Like, Especially wonder, being in Cleveland. Right. I wonder if it was something that, had it happened today, like, he would have lived. You know Possibly. what I mean? Possibly, yeah. Because we've come a very long way. Um, unlike many films featuring an appearance by a tiger um the tiger who starred in this film was fully grown so usually they're not of full age um so two years later the same cat although it was two cats which i'll say later made a brief appearance on star trek the original series short shore leave that's interesting <laughs> i don't know why there's a tiger in space <laughs> or god knows where but whatever yeah, i don't know um next where was I? So prior to the making of this movie, Walt actually met with both of the Bengal Tigers. So their names were Sarang and Sultan. And he met them in his in his office <laughs> with their trainer, um, who is the owner of the Africa USA Ranch in Soldad Canyon, California, which it is or was the world's largest exotic animal rental company. Interesting. I wonder how... They treated animals. I wonder if they're still around. I'm going to try and look it up. All right. So, um, Sarang and Sultan, the two tigers, they won a Patsy Award for the movie. So, I had to look that up because I was like, what is that? So, it stands for... <laughs> Patsy? It stands for the Performing Animal Television Star of the Year. And just a little background on that, the Patsy Award was originated by the Hollywood Office of the American Humane Association back in 1939. And they decided to honor animal performers after a horse was killed in an onset accident during the filming um, of Jesse James. So it's kind of like an homage to that horse that accidentally died. And they honor all these other awesome animal actors. What do they, what do you mean by honoring them? Like just, they did like a good job in the movie. Like they thought that they performed well in the movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. The uh, cat from, um, what is it? Not Homeward Bound. The Incredible Journey should have won it. Oh. Teo. Teo. <laughs> um, and then lastly, in the ending scene where Raja is shown to be safe in the zoo with a mate and cubs, the tiger, tiger cubs are actually portrayed by mountain lion cubs, um, which you can see because they have a different appearance and color pattern. <laughs> so I don't know why randomly they decided to like have different cubs. Especially just, like, in the ending scene, because the cubs are throughout the whole thing. Yeah. 
<laughs> there was a point where I was looking at them and I was like, are those actually tiger cubs? <laughs> I don't I don't know, man. I mean, they weren't in the ending scene, but I don't know if they were. That's I don't know if it was just then or the whole thing. <clears throat> Maybe we will have to watch it again. I don't know if this place is still real. I'm sure, like, it's weird to think about, but I'm sure that there is, like, quote, an exotic animal rental company still. But maybe it's just less, like, company sounding and more like, hey, we train these animals. <laughs> Hire yeah, them. Yeah, maybe. <clears throat> I can't really. Can't find it. Yeah. Um. Okay, so characters in the film. First up is the sheriff. So his name is Pete Williams. Um, he also, oh, well, because he's the sheriff, that's like, um, isn't that like a position where you're voted in, I think, sheriff? Uh, I don't know. So, because he works with, like, the election. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. Um, it's, it's like election time right now. Yeah, so <clears throat> I'm pretty sure, and this is kind of naive of me to not know this, but I think that sheriff is, like, a voted on position. I feel like I want to look that up. No, I think that's right because he keeps talking about how he can't do certain things right now because it's around the election time. Yeah, so I just looked it up and you, they like, they're in four-year terms and they're elected officials. Just like a president. Yes. Um, So he is in charge of Scotia, obviously, well, Scotia's like police force, and they, um, he's leaving for work. And he stops by and sees the truck that is, like, broken down because he lives right by, like, the shop, basically, like, the shop that it broke down at. Um, So he kind of, like, stops and talks for a second to find out, like, what's going on. And then it becomes his problem real quick because the two trainers the one is like an alcoholic and his boss tells him not to go to the bar but he doesn't listen so he goes to the bar and he gets drunk and then he comes back out to the truck and he's uh teasing teasing the the tiger he's trying to impress the um like the barmaid yes because he tried to make a move on her and very rudely said no she shot him down and was like um she didn't shoot him down rudely he was rude just to clarify rude she very bravely and awesomely was like um get out of here and cut him off you're done um so he got mad and then had to show that he was a big macho man and could poke a tiger yeah and then of course the tiger gets loose yep so it's up to pete to figure out a way to catch it but of course fog is rolling in that Mm -hmm. night so basically like it's impossible to search for the tiger first of all i mean like they have built-in camouflage right so he goes like they the tiger goes into this grassy wooded area and that's like exactly where he's meant to blend in right so that on top of being in fog like that's a massive cat you don't want to just like stumble upon him plus um the police force was kind of even more urgent to get out there because the two trainers, the jerk and um, Ram Singh, were out there trying to find the tiger too. So yes. they're out there in the fog 
um, in danger. Right. And so the police force and a bunch of volunteers, I'm pretty sure, come out. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, I I like Pete's character. I think that he has a lot of growth in the film. So, like, he starts mm-hmm. out in the beginning of the film being more so on the side of, um, well, we need to just, like, find this tiger, basically, and shoot it down. Like, it's just going to be eliminated because he just couldn't come up with another solid way to, um, you know. Protect the community. Pr- yeah, protect the community safely. But then his daughter gets involved and she, like, starts this whole campaign about Save the Tigers. And finally, after, like, just being angry at her for forever for starting this campaign, he actually, like, sits down and listens to what she's saying and her ideas. And at the end of the film, like, he ends up being able to capture the tiger without shooting it. And he reaches out to the zoo to find out if they have a um tranquilizer gun a tranquilizer gun and they do so he gets it shipped to him and um he goes above and beyond to try his best to save the tiger instead of um what's the word i'm looking for exterminate you know yeah and he sympathizes for sure with like ram uh ram singh the trainer the good trainer um because this dude, like, he knows the he tiger. He clearly cares for the tiger. He raised them since they were kittens, he, was a cub. he said. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, you know, I, I know this tiger. I, I just want to get him back safely. And I feel bad for Pete because he's, I think, throughout the whole thing, he's really just trying to do what's right. I don't he think he's feels... ever trying to be a jerk. It's really <laughs> interesting, actually, because I think that his character shows us how much elections influence decisions that people make in the community so like it is very specifically stated that he is making the decision to follow what you know what the governor is saying because they're basically pressuring him into it because it's election season Mm -hmm. and they're all of the decisions that they're making are so calculated as to best represent the governor and the sheriff during election period. Instead of, like, what is exactly best for this tiger. Right. They don't care. They care about what's best for them, not necessarily what's best for the tiger or really even the community. Because was it the best decision to send all of these troops into this little city? Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But, like, really it was just to make the media see that the governor was doing something even if it wasn't necessarily the best decision. But also, like, shout out to Pete. He's like, I don't want them to come. Not because I'm, you know, he doesn't want the big army to come because it'll just push the tiger further back into the woods. So really it's going to make, it's going to hinder their search. It's going to make it harder for them to come to this conclusion, whatever that conclusion may be. It's going to drag it on. So um, I am sorting Pete into Gryffindor because I think... He can make a little bit of rash decisions at time, at times, but then when he reflects, he ends up, like, realizing what is best. And I think that it's really brave of him to take on what he truly believes is best, um, even though that's not necessarily what people above him are pressuring him to do. Yeah, especially towards the end when he's like, you know my daughter and my wife, like, what they think and what they want me to stand for and what I really do stand for, that's more important than getting reelected. Right. And it, I mean, it works out in the end because 
he's seen as a hero pretty much you know what i mean yeah because <clears throat> you've got new little cute tigers at the zoo mm-hmm. so um okay so next up is dorothy williams that is pete's wife and she kind of plays like mediator between pete and julie their daughter mm-hmm. and um i really liked her i she there were moments where i was kind of like come on, like, tell him what you really think, you know? Like, I know that it was the 60s and they were really playing up the whole, like, housewife type, you know, role in the family, but it it was, it was just, it was cool to see that, like, eventually she got there where she was like, you need to just, like, go listen to her, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, Mm -hmm. she's not doing this to make you angry. Like, just go and talk to her. So she ended up, like, getting there. Um, a lot of growth in this film. Yeah. But it I, it made me angry at some points where she was just, like, you know, caving to Pete being angry and not really, like, standing up for Julie that much. But then eventually, like, she gets there in the end. Yeah. I agree. I don't where know where to put s- her. <clears throat> I kind of want to put her in Hufflepuff. I could see that. Because you're... Hufflepuffs are always stuck in the middle. She's very loyal to her family, regardless of what that is. Like, she kind of struggles between being loyal to Pete and loyal to Julie, but then in the end, she finds, like, the happy medium, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of Julie. Yeah, so next is Julie, which is Pete and Dorothy's daughter, and she is awesome. She reminds me a little bit of Hermione and her spew. I thought you that you were going to say she reminds me of me. She does remind me of me <laughs> a little bit. So like she very much got involved in this whole situation without realizing the ramifications of what she was doing to her dad. But at yeah, the kind of like stumbled into it. She did stumble into it. So you know like they lived right where this they lived literally like across the street from where this truck gets stranded. And she comes outside, and there's little cubs, and Ram starts just, like, kind of telling her about the cubs and the tigers, and this is, this is before he decided to, like, go search, I think, for the tiger. Or, no, she was there, this is before the tiger even got out, and she was talking to him about the tigers, and then she kind of gets chased by Raja for a moment, um, but then Raja's, like, not, really not interested in, like, attacking a human. He just wants to get away. He's just scared. He's scared. So, um, anyway, so Julie, like, Julie saw, because she was in that situation, so she saw Raja come. Raja could have killed her. Oh, well, yeah, when, um. She, like, falls in the alleyway. With Tom. Yes. That's right. So, she sees Raja decide not to come at her and literally just like goes away to get away from people he just wants to be away from people so i think that kind of triggered in her mind this whole like wait hold on they're gonna kill him like why he could have hurt me and he didn't so he's not a bad tiger so then she starts she like gets stuck she she gets like she stumbles into this interview on tv where she's talking about how she doesn't believe that her dad is going to kill the tiger and she she doesn't she clearly doesn't realize like what she's doing because she's putting words in her dad's political mouth correct <laughs> on tv right which 
what she's saying is not bad, mm-hmm. but also, like, she's a teenager and doesn't fully understand, like, what she's doing because her saying these things is basically, like, endorsing something that her dad's going to do, even though she really has no idea what his plans are. Right. So then she kind of puts him in a pickle. But it's a good pickle. It is. Um, so, a nice, yeah. A nice, crunchy dill pickle. pickle. <laughs> so <laughs> she starts this whole Save the Tigers campaign. Save the tiger, roar! Save, save the, the tiger, tiger roar! roar. <laughs> it was like a real tiger roar. I know. I, <laughs> I was like, who's doing that? I liked it. Um, <laughs> so her dad gets really angry at her because she backs this whole Save the Tiger campaign, and like all these kids are sending her in their nickels and dimes to try to buy oh, the tigers, to so that yeah, so that they can go to the zoo, um, and her dad like. <laughs> Her dad doesn't really comprehend, I think, like, how big this is until they start getting all the letters with, like, the nickels and dimes in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, like, a massive thing. And then, like, the news is there every day, and she's out there every day, like, feeding the little baby tigers on TV, talking about how they have to raise money to buy them. And, like, the zoo gave her a price for how much they – or, like, the – no, the, the – um, circus gave her a price of what they'd be willing to sell all the tigers for and like i just i love her i she think she really cool activist yes she's a slytherin i think because hmm. she's super ambitious um she's ambitious without even like knowing it and i think that that's the mark of like a true slytherin like you just have ambition naturally in your blood. It's just in your blood. It's in your, your little snake your blood. Green blood. So, and then, like, she's also kind of, like, cunning without even knowing it. Yeah. Because she, though I guess some people might argue that, like, it's not Slytherin to be cunning and not know it. Like, usually it's calculated. But I think that, I think it can kind of go both ways. Yeah, for sure. That could be another side of the coin. And, um... The fact that she, like, kind of builds this whole coalition behind her dad without even, like, realizing she's doing it is awesome. So, yeah. So, I really love her. Mm-hmm. I agree with everything that you said. Um, next up is Ram Singh. So, or Ram. I think it's Ram. So, he is one of the trainers of the tiger. He raised Raja from a kitten and has... The girl tiger and the... He calls them kittens. I think they're called cubs, though. Or are they kittens? I don't know. I don't know, but he does call them kittens. He was definitely calling them <laughs> kittens. Um, so he takes care of them and trains them. And he trusts Raja that he is not going to... Um, that he's not going to, like, do anything harmful. Like, he doesn't mean to, you know. He's, he's just like, trying... He's, he's, just- he's He's scared and he's trying to get away from people because the other trainer is a jerk, basically, and... He probably only trusts Ram. For sure. You know what I mean? Especially if he's only, if he's only exposed to Ram, jerk dude, and then, like, the head of the circus. Ram's gonna be the only person he would listen to, I think. Yeah. And feel safe around. Um... So basically, Ram's, like, whole thing is that he just wants to be able to catch Raja without them um, hurting him. Mm-hmm. Because he believes that he can catch him with a net. Yeah, dude's like, let me go with my net. Like, that's some trust. Yeah, for sure. 
Because it's like, I mean, that thing could like tear you to shreds in a second if you wanted. So, big if he wanted, yeah. That's some big toe beans. Yes. That I would still love to cuddle. I just, <laughs> oh my God. Can you imagine like if you had like a docile tiger that like you could trust and like Dude, just to go and cuddle with it? You could spoon the heck out of a tiger. I know. And they'd be so, f- I want to do the cheeks. I know. Oh, so fluffy. I want to know if they're soft or if they have like coarse hair. They look like they're soft. Yeah. Like a good proper kitty cat. Anyway, <laughs> Rom is a total puff. I was going to say Hufflepuff because he gets walked on a lot in this as well. Yeah. But he's also like when it com- when push comes to shove, he's very like, I need to do this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's yeah. very loyal to his tiger, who is his family. I'm a- That's how I feel from him. Yeah. And he wants to do anything to protect him, which yeah. is a very puff treat. Agreed. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about the next guy, but we've got the governor, Governor Robbins. Governor Robbins. So he is the one who sends in the troops and kind of like takes over this whole tiger search. Is that the governor or the captain? The governor. Okay. The governor is the guy with like the glasses who like calls the shots with sending the troops and then Mm. the captain is there. Mm. But then the governor comes to, like, watch the final. You know, he, like, he comes and he's the one that, like, comes in and stops them from allowing Ram to th- go for a second to, like, have his chance. Stupid. He's just, like, not a nice person. And he's very politically driven. Doesn't have the best interest of the tiger at heart. No. Not at all. So I don't really like him. I think, unfortunately, he's probably a Slytherin. Muggle. <laughs> um we've got the return of kevin corcoran as well in this film okay so this kid shows up real early in the film and he's like riding his bike and you see just a glimpse of him at first like he's not talking or anything and i was like oh my god he's like a real person now he's not like kid a teenager he still has his total kevin corcoran baby face he does but (laughs) but he's like an adult yeah are you okay yeah take it away um so i i don't like we don't really like get to know a lot of his character besides the fact that he kind of works with julie and he helps her out with the save the tigers campaign um and he's like basically there every time that you see julie like with the tigers but he doesn't have a lot of lines he doesn't really have like a huge role in the film he just kind of is like julie's sidekick he's there when they capture the tiger and yeah yeah. But, so, I mean, like, I don't really know a lot about his character. Going from, Just like, mentioning the fact that Kevin Corcoran is back, so. Yeah, going from, like, that little brother, little kid role where he's, like, making so many obnoxious noises uh-huh. to now. Was refreshing. <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was, like, a real acting role. Yeah. Um, And then we have Raja, the tiger. I loved that his name was Raja. I know. Because then it made me think of Aladdin, and then it made me think of my absolute favorite childhood toy, which was just, like, this cat. Raja plush? Yeah, it was just, but it wasn't Raja. It was just a cat plush. I didn't know that it wasn't actually Raja. No, it was a domestic cat that was gray and white. It wasn't even orange? No. Oh, my gosh. And it was, I mean, I took it everywhere and loved it so much that my grandma would have to color his nose back in 
with a sharpie because You're I just adorable. loved the heck out of it. And his name was Raja. So I liked I liked the little nostalgic nugget I got. Um okay, so our favorite parts of the movie, favorite character scene. Um my favorite character is definitely Julie. I loved her. She just reminded me of me. I kind of like talked her up already whenever we talked about her character, but I just loved her activism. I loved her drive. I loved her ambition. I just, and then my favorite scene is probably when you get to see the tigers in the zoo Mm -hmm. and you see the little baby tigers running and then like Julie and Tom are there and they're happy to see the tigers in the zoo and I just loved it. It was a happy ending. You mean the mountain lion cubs? Yeah. <laughs> um, <coughs> my favorite character, besides the tiger, would probably have to be Julie because she just sparks this big movement just because she's just trying to do the right thing. Like, she doesn't even try to make it a big thing. She's just trying to do what's right in the moment, and it turns into this big movement. I also really liked Ram. Yeah. Just, like, throwing him out there yes. as a little, like, honorable mention. Shout out to Ram. Yeah. Um, and my favorite scene was when Julie and Tom went to the butcher oh and they were God. like, that was funny. they were like, you want the steaks this thick? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how my dad likes them or whatever. And they're like, okay. So she charges this meat to her dad's account and then goes and feeds it to the tigers because they're <laughs> hungry. <laughs> it was just something I would do. And yeah. she admits to it too, but she's just like, they were hungry. What they was were I hungry. supposed to do? He's like, you got steaks that we can't even afford. <laughs> right? Yeah, that was funny. Oh, my God. That was probably my least favorite moment of him. Same. Because he was like, they're eating the steaks and I'm eating this meatloaf. And it's like, your wife cooked that for you, sir. Yeah, he was a little ungrateful in that scene, but... He did apologize. Yeah. But I was like, ooh, Pete, you need to calm um, down. <laughs> uh, least favorite character is most definitely... A tie for me between the governor and the other trainer. Yeah. The one that gets um, seriously injured by Raja. <laughs> seriously, more than injured. Seriously injured so much he never comes back. So <clears throat> it was deserved. He's not a nice human being. He was just vulgar and rude, and he didn't treat the tigers well. It was very uncomfortable to even watch him taunting the tigers like that. I hated it. Because you know that, like, he probably was actually doing that for the filming to, like, get a real reaction out of Raja, which was annoying. Mm -hmm. Um, And then least favorite scene... I guess just because, like, I don't like what happened in this scene. Not necessarily that, like, it was a bad scene or unnecessary, but I didn't like when the governor showed up and they he, like, shut down Rom going to try to get the tiger with his nets. He was just like, no, we are killing this tiger. Like, send all the bombs. Like, it's terrible. shoot him out of here. I hated that. It made me sad. Uh, my least favorite character is definitely that other trainer because he was just an arrogant prat and just wanted to show off and he was just like disgusting like he was you could just tell he was just a nasty dude agreed like from head to toe gross inside and out he was gross gross. least favorite scene um (laughs) any of the questionable like a lot of these movies we've been talking about have had some questionable animal yeah 
rights, cruelty, stuff like when they were shooting those bombs, whatever they were, those came so close to the like tiger. to the tiger. And like maybe it's just like some kind of air tube that's puffing dirt. But or like, like still, maybe it's like real good editing. I don't know, but but still, you could see that tiger turned on a dime and was like scared, and then like yeah. having it poked in the cage and just like ticking it off, like. I don't know, like, we have these laws in place now for an absolute reason. It just sucks to go back in time and see when they weren't in place. Yeah. It's just like, wow. At least the message of this movie was good, though. Yeah, overall, yes. It was just really sad to see that. Yeah. Um, What did we take away from it? To care for animals. Animals I, are people, too. Yeah, and, like, activism matters. Like, Julie didn't even mean to start this thing, and she did. And it was something so simple by, like, just happening upon this interview and being, you know, and, like, saying one sentence, and all of a sudden she's, like, a part of this kind of, like, a revolution. Like, no, we want to save the tigers. Like, we're going to raise all of this money to buy them out of the circus and put them in a zoo so that they're happy and... Just that your voice matters and your voice can do a lot of good if you are willing to use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to roll right off of that because it was very much what I wanted to say. It just takes one person. One yep. person, whether you're 99 or whether you're a teenager or you're a young kid or middle age, whatever. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what your walk of life is. You can make a difference. What's that quote? Every person can make a difference and every person sh- or one person can make a difference and every person should try. Yes. One little spark. One little spark <laughs> of inspiration. Yes. Yep. All right. Oh man, can I make it through this Disney memory? Do you That's want me to of- read it? Can you because yeah. you know what causes the coughs when I have to take a lot of breaths. That's fine. I'll Thank read it. Thank you. I'm so sorry, Melanie Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> but you have the lovely Megan Petrus here to read your story. I will read your story and I will love it. Okay, so this memory comes from Melanie. Hi, I just started listening to your podcast a few months ago and I love it. I'm still pretty behind. I just listened to the Sword and the Rose episode. Oh, we did not like that movie. <laughs> Anyways, I wanted to submit a Disney memory. I've had so many amazing Disney memories, but one of my more recent memories is from my honeymoon two years ago. I grew up going to Disneyland as an annual pass holder since I used to live just half an hour away. Oh, jelly. I know. Now I live in Idaho, so my trips are few and far between these days. But one of my favorite Disney Disney memories is from my third trip to Walt Disney World and my husband's very first trip to Walt Disney World. Our honeymoon started with a short cruise and then four days at Walt Disney World. We went straight to Walt Disney World after our cruise, and it was not only my husband's birthday, but also the day Rogue One was released. We are huge Star Wars nerds. That's awesome. You guys, I need to know if you went back and have seen Star Wars Land. Oh. It's called Galaxy's Galaxy's Edge. Edge. (laughs) That was so nerdy. Like, not nerdy, newbie. Um, We arrived earlier than our time to check into the hotel, but our room was ready early. We were staying at Port Orleans Riverside. (gasps) Yes! That's like our favorite resort. Um, And it was beautiful. We changed into our Han and Leia shirts, grabbed our magic bands, and headed to Hollywood Studios. It was both of our first times at this particular park, and we loved it. 
We had just enough time to see their Christmas show and head to our hotel room to change and take the hotel ferry to Disney Springs. We ran through all of Disney Springs to the movie theater where we saw a late showing of Rogue One on opening night. I will admit I fell asleep at the end because it was probably past midnight by then, but looking back, it was truly the perfect day. We celebrated our marriage, my husband's birthday, visited a Disney park that was completely new to both of us, and saw Rogue One opening night. We are returning to Walt Disney World in March and can't wait to see Toy Story Land and Pandora. I'm guessing that's probably last March. I know. So you have to let us know what you thought of Toy Story Land and Pandora because Pandora is beautiful. And if you've seen Galaxy's Edge. I need all the updates. Thanks for all you do. I can't get enough of the podcast. Thank Thank you, you. Melanie. Also, like, I just want to shout out how cool it is that you got to experience something new with your husband because like so Meg's been going to Disney World far longer than I have so I came into the game late but what's so great about Disney is there's always some new stuff coming Mm -hmm. so when we get to experience something new together for the first time like it's I don't know it's just extra super cool um like Rise of the Resistance which let me tell you guys short little rant here about Rise of the Resistance it is the most amazing ride at a theme park I have ever been on period it's like it's, it shouldn't even be called a ride no it's, it's an like an experience it's so good I it's say so this good every time we talk about this but there's a part in the ride that I will not spoil that I literally out loud was like that's cool <laughs> yeah and I will tell you the animatronics in that ride are amazing Like, they're so real. The whole thing is just so good. Kylo Ren is so good. So, everything's so good. Everything. I read an article that was talking about the best animatronics in Walt Disney World, and they ranked Kylo Ren as number one. Really? Yeah. I still think the one from, um, the Avatar Lady. Oh, yeah, they ranked that as number two. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I'm still going to go her number one, but Ride, Rise of the Resistance has made me a Star Wars fan. Yeah, Rise of the Resistance blows um, Flight of Passage out of the water. And Flight of Passage is incredible. It is. But Rise, um, I cannot wait to ride it again. I know, same. I'm stoked. It was worth getting up. It was worth everything we did that day. Yep. But on that note, if you would like to share your <laughs> Disney memory, email us at grownupkidspodcast at gmail.com. It can be anything Disney related, so send it in and we'll be sure to feature it on the show. Grown Up Kids can be found on Podbean, iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. And make sure that you subscribe so that you can be sure to get our latest episode as soon as it's available. Do you care that I'm just going to finish this? Nope. Okay. It's better than me coughing in our poor listeners. <laughs> you can also find us on social media and join in on the conversation. We're on Facebook at Grown Up Kids, a Disney podcast. And we also have a Facebook group called Grown Up Kids, a Disney podcast group. We have an Instagram at Grown Up Kids pod. And also look out for information on our Patreon coming soon. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to watch The Moon Spinners ahead of next week's episode. And don't forget, adults are only kids grown up anyway. All who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. Here age relives fond memories of the past. And here youth may savor the challenge and promise of the future.